For our time of prayer today, and I'm sure I'm not unique in this idea, but, but I have found it very difficult this week to watch any news, any news source whatsoever. It just the, uh, it pains me, quite honestly, just to think about what's going on on the other side of the world um, as uh, the people of Ukraine are suffering, uh, and I'm sure that continues today. Um, I can barely listen or think about that without just being deeply moved. And so I do want to have a special prayer for Ukraine today. But I also want to share this. You know, people read the Bible, and then they come and ask me, well, what about this? And they have a good point. And someone came to me and said, I just read the Bible, and it says pray for your enemies. And, um, and it does instruct us to that. And so in the same vein today that I will pray for Ukraine, I will pray for Russia, who we might identify as our enemy. Again, I think those people in their selves are suffering too, and so they need to be remembered as much as the Ukrainians. And even for their leader, Putin. And the, uh, the, in my estimation of things, the only hope that the world has is that God intervenes in that situation. And so let us join together our hearts to pray for the Ukrainians, for the Russians, and even for those who we would identify as our enemies, as the Bible instructs us to do. Now let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, to be honest, before you right now, I am moved and troubled with inside of me to the point of tears and brokenheartedness. To see that the sin of Cain, the murdering of his brother, that, that started at the beginning of the Bible, has not ceased. That brother rises up against brother to slay him because of jealousy and anger and dispute and greed. Father, it is true that uh, we have all inherited this sinful nature from our original parents, Adam and Eve. And that within the heart of humanity, as the Bible describes it, is desperately sick and, weak and wicked. And who can understand it? <laughs> and that's where I find myself at today, Father, not understanding, baffled by the world in which I live, a world that seems to be fleeing from you and your word, from your direction, from your teaching, from the, all that has restrained us, all that you give us to restrain us from the evil that lurks within inside of us, Father, we have cast that off, and it bears itself out in the world today. And so, Father, I ask for your forgiveness for all of us, for the fallenness of man, and I pray that you will step in Lord, I pray particularly for those who are suffering, for the Ukrainian people who are displaced, who wonder if they'll ever see their family, their houses, their life as they knew it just 10 days ago. Uh, that Will that ever return? And for many of them, Father, we know it will not. And so, Father, I pray. I pray for your peace and your comfort. I pray for ministry. I pray for, for people... To, to do good to one another that are hurting. I pray for the Russian people, Father. I know many of them suffer too. I know there, there are those who, 
who would speak against the, the atrocities that are going on in the world, who face their own uh, peril, their own uh, imprisonment, their own uh, just results from, from standing for what is right, Father. I pray that you give them courage. I pray that you give them protection. I pray that you allow their voices to be heard and influence their leadership, Father. And Father, I pray for those who, for whatever ambition that they have, um, lead the world into this kind of devastation, I pray for you to step in. Father, we need you to intervene, to do what we can't or won't do. We need your provision. We need you to guide. We need your intervention, quite honestly, Father. And so for that end, I pray for the world, for those who are suffering. Lord, I, I do ask that if, there, if it's possible that you use these horrific events to advance your kingdom, if you use these, these, these atrocities for, to open ways to share the gospel, to minister in your name, to love people in your name. I, I heard this week, Father, that many of the shoeboxes that we, that we packed back in November and October, Father, are being delivered to children who, who are refugees today. I pray for those gospel messages. I pray for those gospel opportunities. As, as children and families receive them in these days, that that simple act of love will speak volumes about who you are and about what you offer through Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray for the gospel to, to advance in the face of evil. Father, if you don't do this, no one will. And so we lean completely upon you and your power and your wisdom uh, on this, at this point, Lord, for your glory. Lord, for our service today, as we start to turn our eyes towards the most important day in history, Easter, the resurrection of the Christ, I pray that your spirit will be here with us today, that he will bind us together as one, that he will help us to worship, help us to think deeply about how much you loved us and how you displayed that love on the cross for us, Father. And that you will be praised, that your name will be made great, that your kingdom will advance, and that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name I pray. There are uh, a lot of very hard and awful things that, that go on in, a, in our world. There, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of atrocity. There's, there's a lot of things in our own hearts. There's, there's grief. There's anxiety. There's pain in each and every one of us. And there's a lot of sin. There's sin in the world. And there's sin within me and there's sin within you, and, and it's, sometimes it's very, very overwhelming. But for the Christian and for the Christian only, there's a defender, someone that is all-powerful 
and almighty and will ultimately take care of and defeat the sin that's in our hearts and the sin that's in the world. And that is where our, hum our comfort and our hope can rest. So Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 24. I'll read that now. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them when you hear, the war, hear of wars and rumors of wars and, revolu and revolutions. Do not be frightened, for these things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand, and you will be defended yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And men will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the great city get out, and those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will, they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners. And all the nations, Jerusalem, will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Praise be to God for his glory and his power and his mightiness. Amen. You can be seated. Hello. Can you hear me now? All right. So, as I was saying, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Um, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 
uh, and the 11th chapter, it's 23rd verse. I'm going to be reading that in a moment and kind of set up for what we're going to do today. Uh, for those of you at home, first let me welcome you. We're glad that you are here. We encourage you to get some elements together, a juice and some bread uh, for you to observe communion with us today. Um, one of the things that, that I personally have been struggling with a little bit just as I evaluate some of the stuff we have done is uh, with the new way we do communion with our little thing, it's made it very, very simple. We don't have to take the time to pass it out, and, and, and which has slowed us down in the past to, to take some time to spend in communion. And uh, I have been wanting to do something to, to highlight that. So today, we're basically just going to focus the entire service on communion. Um, we're going to sing songs. We're going to have scripture readings from both the Old and the New Testament. Then we'll take up an element. Then we're going to sing some more songs and in response to what we've done. And then so we're going to have songs of preparation. We're going to have Old and New Testament readings. We're going to have prayers. And then we're going to sing more songs in response to each element. So we're just going to take a really slow walk through of communion today to highlight it. So uh, as you get those elements together. Um, and, and so this is our first step in, in moving towards Easter. Today is the first of, of seven Sundays. We've got six weeks from today will be Easter Sunday. Uh, so we have seven Sundays to kind of prepare ourselves and, and to move towards that. We're going to be, as I told you, the, the sermon series is called Seeing Jesus, and we're going to just kind of look at some Old Testament passage and see Jesus kind of in the Old Testament revealed to us as we move towards Easter. Today we're going to slow down and take a serious amount of time and concentration on communion. And, th and there's really two reasons for that. One, we believe that communion is one of the two ordinances, and the ordinance is that continual practice commanded by God given to us to observe, that this is one of the things Jesus told us to do. He enacted this ordinance um, so that we would all do that. And, uh, and so we, we see that in Scripture, and, and so we want to do that. It, it, even from for this Corinthians passage, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Um, another reason I want to focus on communion is, is I've often said it this way, that communion, or we could break it down into it's our common union right, communion, common union, that, that, that the blood of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ is what makes us one. This is what connects us with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, says this, By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace he, and might reconcile us both. And this is talking about Gentiles and uh, some, uh, Jews and Gentiles. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore by killing the hostility. Uh, and so it's through the cross of Christ. This is where our union with one another, this is what makes us one. And so I, I would encourage you, one of the things I'd like for you to think about today as we, we observe communion is look around. The people you take communion with are very, very important people. In my estimate, maybe the most important people on the face of the planet to you are those who you share the blood and the body of Christ with. And so, um, and so I think that's very important. And when we do that, uh, it, this is also a, time, a good time for me to announce to you that we are right now in the process. And we, by we, I mean the League of Pastors. That's how I refer to the guys. You, you've been aware that for almost two years now, I've been gathering with a group of pastors from the Clarion area from, from across denominational lines. We get together and we pray, 
and, and we enjoy the fellowship. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's one of the sweetest Christian fellowships I've been part of. Um, that we lay, though we practice our, our faith differently, and though our theology in the many ways are different, we set all that aside to come together in the name of Christ, to care for one another, to share with one another, and to encourage one another, and to pray for our community. Well, we are in the process right now uh, of planning a community-wide communion service. So on Good Friday at 7 o'clock, and I just got the, the venue yesterday at Hart Chapel, uh, the Christians of the Clarion community are invited to come together for one communion service. We want you, our individual churches, to experience the unity we've had with one another. And so we're inviting you all to come to Heart Chapel at 7 o'clock, Good Friday night, and we're just going to have a time of sharing communion together. Because the one thing that connects all Christians in our community and around the world is the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if we can't unify on that one thing, then there is no hope for unity among us. And so we want you to experience what we've been enjoying together as a whole. So anyway, that's your invitation, and you'll hear more about that as we develop that coming up over the next couple of weeks. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 32. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I just want to share, just kind of getting us kicked off, and, and uh, we're going to have a few moments here. Scott's going to come and lead us in a song. We're preparing our hearts uh, for um, a time of prayer, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer to first of all. But I just want to share a couple of thoughts from this passage to begin with. One... Communion is an important moment in our lives. And again, I have kind of been struggling uh, with our, our methods, and so I just wanted to take a day where we do heighten the importance of communion. That this is an extremely important moment in our lives. That sometimes, you know, and, and, and it says, for, for as often as you do this, you know, do this as you remember to me. And I've been in a lot of churches. I've been in churches who, who observe communion every week. Um, every Sunday and uh, at the end of the service. I've been in churches like ours, and I, I particularly like the way we do it. We do it on the first Sunday of the month, and I think monthly has been a good rhythm, and I think that's good. I've been in churches who do it once a quarter, so four times a year. Is that three times a year? Four times a year? Once a quarter. Quarter's 25. That's right. Thank you. 
So four times a year, they do communion. And I've been in churches who kind of do it when the pastor feels led to do it. And that might be once a year. It might be however often. It's just You just never know when it's going to come in. And I remember when I was a kid, I was in a church that was kind of led that way. And, and I'd always know we'd come into church and they'd have the communion set out on the table with the big cloth. They were like, oh. And as a kid, before I knew better, that means it's going to take longer to get out of here today, <laughs> right? But hopefully I've matured past that point a little bit today. So anyway, there's all kind of methods for doing this, but it is an important moment in our lives. First of all, it's important to us as individuals. Really, communion for a lot of people is the moment that they profess, for some people, that this is the moment that they profess their faith in Christ. There's a big deal in some circles made over their first communion. You may be familiar with those kind of traditions where people make a big deal. This is the first time they're going to take communion. This is their first communion because this is their kind of believer's moment, right? This is the moment when they're like, I am a Christian because I'm taking of my first communion. For us, in our tradition, baptism kind of is that first moment for us, that this is that this is the day we celebrate baptism when we, because we believe in believers' baptism and people express publicly their faith in Christ and what he's done. That's, that's the tradition in which we do. But for some people, communion is that moment. Uh, and even for us, after baptism, so many people look forward to the first time they can take communion uh, after baptism. And so it's important to us. It's an important moment. I think it's important to us as we talk about the churches and the churches coming together as a whole, that the one thing... I can believe every church, and no matter how diverse theologically we may be, the one thing we agree, agree on is communion. And so that's why we're starting this, this, this idea of us all getting together and having communion together because it is that one central idea that we all hold to. But more important than how communion is important to us, we should realize that communion is particularly important to God. It actually says, and what Paul is talking about here, is there's something in their practice, something has gone awry, and he's trying to correct something within the church at Corinth, that something's going on during the observance of the Lord's Supper, and it says there are people who are sick and maybe even died because they've not handled communion properly, that they've done something that they shouldn't be doing. And, and to me, that's a mark that this is really important to God. That he, he really pays attention to that and, and to what we do in these moments. If he's willing to discipline people, and that's what he says. He says, he's disciplining some of you because you're mishandling communion. So if it's that important to God that he would take time to discipline people physically about that, then we should probably be really careful. We should be thoughtful. And we should take some time to at least give it its rightful place. Uh, from time to time, at least, that in, in our observance, that we, that we think deeply about communion. And so it's because of that that I, I want to take the time to do that today, because it is communion. And the first thing, and really what I think the main part, or one of the main parts of this passage that I, I want to talk about, is that we should spiritually prepare ourselves to observe communion. Now, I will confess that sometimes in my preparation, I have this whole thought in my mind, but in the process of delivering a sermon and then trying to bring communion together on the end, 
in my opinion, I've not done a particularly good job on that at times. That it's been tacked on, it's been too quick, it's been not thought out particularly well, and so I'm trying to correct some of that today. Just, that's just my own, as it says, evaluation of myself. And so I want us to take time today, and I want us to have time to spiritually prepare ourselves for communion. Because people argue, people will debate what the issue is, what's going on with Paul. That we may not, that Paul is correcting some issue within the church, that they're not doing something right. And lots of people, it doesn't really tell us specifically what's going on or, or what the offense is or, or how they're doing that wrong. And there's lots, of, there's more opinions on what that is than we could cover today. But something's wrong. And what he says, the answer he gives, take time to evaluate yourself. Take time to spiritually prepare for this ordinance. Take time to remember the Lord's death, to prepare yourselves before you come to the table. So the first thing we're going to do today is um, Scott's going to come in a moment, and he's going to lead us in a song called Give Us Clean Hands. At the close of that song, Elaine's going to take time and she's going to play a couple minutes of a song for us. She's picked out something beautiful for us to feel the, the silence to give us that, that little time. But it's going to be a time of prayer. All right? And, and I want to give you four prayer prompts, four, four things to pray about. And, and I, and I want to say this up front. For me and the way I grew up, I grew up in a, in a church that had altar call every Sunday, you know, and the preacher was down front. And, and, uh, and one, of the, one of the most cherished moments in, in my development as a Christian was, was I spent a lot of time at the altar <laughs> praying. I spent a lot of time coming down front. There's something for me that, that when I moved, when I got out of my seat and I bent my knees in the church and I prayed, it affected me deeply. And I want you to know, if, if that would mean something to you, the altar's open. The front is open. If, if you want a place to kneel and pray as you prepare yourself spiritually, come down front. We got steps. We got edge. You kneel on the front bench or sit on the front bench. Sometimes when we participate in worship, when we move and, and do something out of the ordinary, it, it elevates thinking. It elevates us spiritually. Um, some people raise their hands. Some people bow their heads. Some people lift their eyes to the heavens. Some people prostrate themselves. There's, there's a truth that, that, that our body and our spirit are connected. And when we do something in our physical body, it does help us sometimes spiritually. And so know that in these moments that we're going to have to pray, if, if that helps you, if that will help you prepare spiritually, please come forward. Let me give you these four prompts. Scott's going to lead us in a song, give us clean hands. Then there's going to be a time of prayer for, for several minutes. And, and there's four prompts that I want you to think about as you pray. And these will be on the screen for you to look at. First one, start this simple prayer. Dear God, I take this communion. And maybe hold it in your hands while you're praying. I take this communion because. Why? Why do you do what we do today? Hopefully it's more, well, that's what we do. It's the first Sunday of the month. You know, this is, our, this is our rhythm. This is our tradition. I hope it means more to you than that. And expressing to God why you're here to take of his body and blood could be a very important prayer for you to pray. 
Second one, Lord, I repent. Whatever. That, that I want to clean my spiritual house before I come into your presence today. I confess. I repent. I lean on your forgiveness completely and wholly. The third prayer you could be praying is, Lord, this communion makes me thankful for. And let, and let your time of prayer, of repentance, turn into a time of thanksgiving. And it just reminds me, Father, that I should be thankful for this. And then the fourth prayer, God, this communion reminds me that I have hope, the hope of. And so as we take these moments coming up, there's four prayer prompts for you to spend in this, this biblical instruction to prepare ourselves spiritually before we move forward in communion. So God's going to lead us first and, and give us clean hands. Then there'll be the time of prayer. After the time of prayer, Randy's going to come up and say a public prayer for all of us in drawing us to conclusion. And, uh, and then there'll be some more singing in response to our prayer. And then I'll be back. Stay with me as we sing. Let us not lift our souls to another. 
Oh, Father in heaven, we recall from scripture that when you led your people out of the bondage of the Egyptians, away from Egypt to the promised land, that you had your, instructed your people to celebrate Passover, to take a meal where they reflected on your goodness of liberating them from the Egyptians. And then Jesus, at that Last Supper, instituted communion and saying, to do this, to remember me, to take the elements, the bread and the wine, to remember that we are liberated from the bondage of sin. And so we thank you for that liberation, Father. And so we take communion to simply be obedient to Jesus. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So it is our privilege, it is our honor to remember this great sacrifice that you made through Jesus Christ on our behalf, Father. Lord, we need to repent because you ask us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love you more than anything. And Father, we fail at that. There are times where we love other things more than you, and we confess that. And we ask by the power of your spirit that you would help us to overcome this. But in the meantime, we have to count on the blood of Jesus to make up for what we can't do. So Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed to pay for our shortcomings, for our sin. And Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful that we can gather together to take communion because it reminds us that we are free from our sins and the control of Satan. If we just turn our heart toward you, Father, Father, we are reminded when we take communion that though we sit around a spiritual table right now, we don't see it, we don't see Jesus physically right now, but we will. Jesus has risen from the dead, and communion reminds us that a day is coming when we will rise from the dead, and we will sit around a physical table, and we will see Jesus face to face. May every time we take communion, we picture that glorious meeting that we're going to have with our Lord and Savior. That won't occur once or twice, but throughout eternity. Praise be to the God of eternity for doing this for us. So it is a small thing that we take communion today to remember Jesus, in whose name we pray. Stand with me as we, as we sing in preparation for communion. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. The grace of Jesus is the communion, the blood of the sacrifice of Christ.
I have two scripture readings today as we prepare to take of the element of the bread of life. The first one is from Psalms 22. It's interesting to think that this, this particular passage of scriptures was written hundreds of years before its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make their mouths out at me. They wag their heads. He entrusted the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. In you, on you, was, was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. And my heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evil doors encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword and my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, for you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I tell your, your name to my brothers, and in the midst of the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. But he has heard when, we, when he cried on him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. And those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the earth, ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kings belong to, your, to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who cannot keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Then the fulfillment of those passages, hundreds of years later, 
we're told the story in Matthew's Gospel, the 27th chapter, starting with the 45th verse. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lamna sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling on Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, and he filled it with sour wine, and he put it on a reed, and he gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see where Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. Lord, I just pray for your, this cup to, or this bread today, Lord. I just thank you is just not enough for what you have done for us, Lord. I just thank you for the grace and mercy that you show us every day, even though we don't deserve it, Lord. Um, I just thank you for being with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, I just pray that um, you continue to show your grace and mercy to our fallen land. And I thank you for dying and um, breaking your body so that we can remember you. Take your bread, hold it with me as we recite from John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, the body of Christ. Stay with me as we sing. We're going to sing the power of the cross and nothing but the blood as we just sing and worship for what Christ has done by giving his body and his blood.
As you hold your cup, let me again have an Old Testament and then a New Testament reading. From the prophecy of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, starting with the first verse. Who has believed what he's heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look on him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. From John's Gospel, the 19th chapter starting with the 30th verse. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross of the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was at, was at high noon, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and he broke the legs of the first and the other whom he had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. He saw it. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth that you may also believe. For these things took place so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones were broken. And again, yet another scripture. They looked on him whom they had pierced. Lord, as we come to you in humility and obedience, let us draw together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Help us to be in unity and serving you as we drink this cup together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you take your cup and remove the 
thing from the Jews. Let us read together from the first chapter of John, the 11th and the 12th verse. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, the blood of Christ. 